Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. My co-host is my good friend, Gil Martin. In addition to this show, I host Cheese and Packers, and Gil is the host of Locked On NHL, and he writes for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. All right, uh, we're going to start a new series here on No Huddle Radio called Gill Facts. So we're going to start um, with, uh, did you know that Gill is short for Gilbert? <laughs> just trying to think of something more interesting to talk about than the Washington Commanders, because there's just nothing to say about them. This is a really bad football team. There's not a ton to analyze about them because... I don't think that it really matters what the commanders do this week. It matters about if the Packers decide to win the game or if they just beat themselves again for the third week in a row. That's really what this comes down to. The commanders just do not have the horses to beat the Packers if the Packers play semi-competent football. Yeah, the problem is they haven't been doing that consistently this season. And I will say this, uh, when I look at this team, there is one particular area of concern more than anything else, and that is pass protection. The commanders are fourth in the league with 19 sacks, and we know how difficult pass protection has been for the Packers. That, to me, is the one area where I'm very concerned about how the Packers are going to handle this situation and whether or not uh, Washington can do some damage to the team. Yeah. Montez sweat is playing phenomenal football. Um, They don't have chase young, obviously, but Jonathan Allen is just wrecking things on the interior. This is the one spot. And and also uh, Cameron curl at safety currently is the highest graded safety in the NFL. He's been playing some decent football, uh, 89.8 grade, um, and that's an 86.4 coverage grade. Uh, He doesn't have any interceptions, uh, but he's been targeted nine times, allowed six receptions, but hardly any yards, and he's only uh, giving up an uh, 80 passer rating. So Cameron Curl could cause some problems, but the rest of the DBs are bad. They have one kind of decent linebacker who's not even really the full-time linebacker. It's Cole Holcomb. Um, uh, Jamin Davis and uh, David Mayo are playing horrific football. It really is about the defensive line, and I don't think that the offense is really going to do them any kind of favors either. Uh, You know, they got Terry McLaurin. He's dangerous. They're going to be without uh, their first round pick, uh, uh, Jahan Dotson this week. Sounds like he's not going to be available. They do have 
two pretty decent tackles. Uh, Charles Leno is over there, and he's playing um, at such a level at left tackle that you know the Chicago Bears are looking at that and kicking themselves for letting him go. <laughs> um, but uh, look, we know that we know the drill. We're going up against Taylor Heineke again. Um, we got to see what he could do last year. He can hurt you on the ground with his feet. Uh, they brought back um, Brian Robinson, their uh, uh, their other rookie, the, the running back who got uh, shot before the season began. He's out there. He had a good week of football, but this team just doesn't have anything. They are playing badly. Um, they they look worse than the Packers do. They're playing without any heart or soul. This is a game the Packers kind of have to win. This is similar to in 2018 when we played the Cardinals and they were the worst team in football. They were horrific and the Packers were not playing good football at that time. And you, you, nobody expected them to lose to the Cardinals, but there was definitely this feeling of like, this has to be, (laughs) uh, you know, some kind of a, a, not just a win, but like a convincing win, a convincing performance. And, And then they lost. And that, obviously got Mike McCarthy fired. Now I'm not saying that Matt LaFleur is going to get fired or that anybody should be thinking about him being fired right now. I'm just saying that's the level of bad that the commanders are right now. They are, they're that level of bad. So Packers need a convincing win. Uh, You know what? At this point, I don't even need convincing. I just need to win after the last two games, especially it's been so frustrating and so ugly to watch if they win 13 to 10, I'll take it at this point just to build a little momentum and, and maybe salvage the season a little bit because this has been the last two games have been dreadful. Okay, let's look at um, how we did in our predictions last week. And then we have a conversation. We had an interview with Coach Hahn, who's been on this podcast before. We brought him back on today. Um, you and I just wrapped that conversation up. Uh, a couple minutes ago before we recorded our segment we're doing right now, man, do I feel good after talking to coach Han. First of all, the dude is just a genius. I love talking to him. I love getting his insight. And I felt a lot better about what he said about the Packers and a path forward and what the problems are that he see and how you fix it, that kind of stuff. That was great. We're not going to talk much about the commanders today because Like I said, there's just nothing there. This is all about what the Packers do. So we're going to have a great conversation with Coach Hahn. First, let's check in on our score prediction from last week. Uh, Packers were eight-point favorites. The over-under was set at 45. Gil, you picked the Packers to win it 27-24. So you picked the Jets to cover, and you took the over. So you get one point because the Jets did cover. Uh, And then I... Uh, had the Packers winning 27 to 17. So um, I get a point because I took the under. So we're still tied eight and eight. <laughs> it's going maybe. down to the water, my friend. That's all I'm telling you. <laughs> so Gil, you got a chance to maybe um, separate from me this week and, and really uh, put up some extra points. If I make a really bogus prediction. All righty, Gil, we have brought in an expert. 
Uh, this is the one and only Coach Hahn. He's been on No Huddle Radio before. Uh, you know him. You love him. Coach, thank you for, I mean, literally you had like 120 seconds to decide that you were going to hop on here because I invited you so very last minute. But, dude, we need some answers. How is the offensive line playing this much worse than they were a year ago after we got back our two best freaking offensive linemen? Come on, educate us on this. Well, hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm thrilled to join. Always glad to talk football, especially talk O-line play. Um, yeah, you're, you're having struggles, obviously, you know, everybody's watching it and, and seeing pressure on Rogers and the run game kind of falling apart at times and pressure on everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, a fair way to put it. Um, unfortunately for y'all, I can't tell you just one big thing you can change, right? I mean, you're still going through some growing pains. You, you lost Hackett, which meant Stenovich had to move up, which meant, mm-hmm. you know, Butkus is now taking over the offensive line. And, and so there's going to be some changes there. Plus, you know, Jenkins is playing out of his, what I would think is his natural position. I right. think he is best suited as a guard, but unfortunately right now, he probably is your best right tackle right now. Um, so you, you've, you've got some struggles there, obviously, and it's, it's, it can't be pointed to just one thing, but the nice thing is it can be pointed to one side. I honestly think your left side of the line is pr- playing pretty decent football. Mm-hmm. I think Bach mm-hmm. is obviously, you know, doing Bach things. Um, Runyon's doing a really nice job. I think I'm not exactly sure what the grades say or whatever on Runyon, but you know, I- I'm watching this dude and and he's especially killing it in the run game at, at times. And then um, really? he's a pretty darn good, darn good pass protector, you know, really good eyes up, really good footwork laterally. Um, we, like we like him a lot as a, in pass pro uh, the grades say he's like, really really struggling in run blocking and uh when we watch the tape there are some things that we think are frustrating to watch in in the run blocking game with runyon but man i mean as a as a pass pro i mean dude obviously we all know what he can do absolutely go ahead gil well i wanted to focus in a little bit on royce newman he just seems to have so much difficulty with stunts and blitz pickups what what can be done to correct it? And what is he doing wrong? And, and, and is, is the answer to correct it benching him? <laughs> <laughs> if, if I had that answer, gentlemen, I'd be making a heck of a lot more money coaching football than I do now. Um, but the, uh, in, in my opinion, what's happening with Newman is the eyes get buried and it's just, it's what we call the moment of truth in the offensive line play. When initial contact happens, um, it's, it's something that you can train, but it takes a long time to train to where as soon as that moment of truth happens and that contact is made with a defensive lineman or a blitzing inside backer, it really takes a long time to start to gain the trust with your right tackle. And then your center on the other side to be able to stay engaged on a defensive lineman, but keep your eyes up to, as Gil was saying, some stunts, some movements, um, maybe some cafe blitzes and these sorts of things coming from the second level or coming from the auxiliary first level where you need your peripheral vision. It's really difficult to do because you got to think of offensive line play as hand-to-hand combat. So if if you're in a fist fight with somebody, you probably don't want to be looking the other way to check if somebody (laughs) else is coming, right? So it's, it's kind of human instinct and you have to untrain that human instinct to keep the eyes up. And that's where just a lot of reps and a lot of practice time and you got to do it with the guys next to you because everybody has their little different quirks so you start to see for instance I'll get a little technical here but I do want to kind of explain this if you are covered meaning you have a defensive lineman to your outside as a right guard we call that a three tech 
And if you're engaged with that guy to the outside and he's putting his hands on you, you've got to keep your eyes up to that inside backer. However, defenses are getting really, really smart. And instead of giving you a three tech, they'll put a guy in pretty much the same spot, but tell that defensive lineman to put his hands on the tackle. So now it changes all of your footwork. And these are decisions that need to be made like split second, because now the tackle has to step first if you're combo blocking him in a slide protection. And you're the one who has to close the door so that you can brush the tackle off to the outside for a blitzing outside backer. So these are the, the those tiny little things in the game of football that make all the difference. And these are the things that I'm not quite seeing yet with Royce Newman. And these are the things where, you know, his eyes will get buried and maybe that first step is incorrect because that four eye will get his hands on tackle. So he should be letting Elton Jenkins take that first step and said, he's taking the first step. Then Jenkins is bouncing off of that guy. Can't get in front, can't get it overtaken. And he'll split a double team. Those sorts of things are what I'm seeing. So it's, it's trainable. It is coachable, but unfortunately, the, the last thing Packer fans want to hear is it's going to take a little time. It's going to take a little patience. It's going to take those reps. And that's why it's a little bit counterintuitive to just throw another guy in there, mm-hmm. right? It, it takes that time to learn that stuff. And at a guard, it's really tough because you got to learn it with Jenkins. Then you got to learn it with Myers. And then you got to learn to do it all by yourself if, if you're going to be on the backside in man protection or, or, you know, those sorts of things. So that's just one example of the thousands of different little um, possibilities that occur in every different protection against every different stunt in front you're going to see. And I think modern defenses are really realizing that and really doing a nice job, honestly, of being unpredictable, of keeping conflict, of lining up in a four eye a little bit of a, a late shift and then getting to a three tech. And, and those are things that you have to process immediately and then get your technique down. And it's a, it's a tough thing to do. Do you think the Packers should try making a personal change or just stick with it? And, and um, along those same lines, since Elton is obviously a huge part of that, do you think that he is struggling um, out there at right tackle as much as it feels like he's struggling? Yeah, I do. Um, unfortunately I do think Elton is struggling simply because he doesn't have that trust factor with his interior dude you got to think as a tackle the one guy you can trust is your guard and you got to trust him all the time it's Mm -hmm. difficult when when you say well just add a tight end because it could be you know in all the different personnel sets you could see tank you could see NASCAR you could see Tonka so it could be Mercedes next to you it could be Tunyon it could be Deguara you never know who's going to be next to you So unless you get all those reps with all three of those guys, you really just lean on trusting your guard. Right. And, and if that, if that trust and that continuity isn't quite there yet between guard and tackle, both dudes are going to struggle. We see it all the time in high school. That's why, you know, we don't tend to flip tackles as much or or flip guards as much as you used to in the old days where Mm -hmm. you just ran team wing T or or you ran power all the time. So, you know, it's a, it's a difficult thing and it's going to take some patience I don't know that a personnel change is in order um, simply because I don't know how well Yash works at right tackle with Elton inside of him. You know, I'm sure it's all stuff that they're trying. I guarantee they're trying it in practice. Mm -hmm. I guarantee they're breaking it down in film. You know, they're, I mean, they're smart too, right? So they're giving them these different looks in practice and then um, reviewing the tape with them, that sort of stuff. I don't have the answer to that simply because I don't know what that practice tape looks like. Gotcha. How difficult would it be for Yash to now switch over to right tackle and then develop timing between Elton if he were to move to right guard and Yash at right tackle? 
Yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a really tough thing to do guys. I mean, we've, we've trained kids and and these are kids that are going to go on to play scholarship football. You know, we've trained them to, to try to do it for three years. And it's a, it's a tough thing. The footwork's different. It's inverse. It's a, it takes a special dude. And that's why everybody was raving about Elton so much when he first came out. Cause he's a dude who could play five and to have a dude who can play three, is a miracle, but to have a dude to play five, it, it, it's unheard of, right? And we all remember those days of Elton just doing these unbelievable things all the way across the line, you know, post-injury. I don't know if he's hampered or doesn't quite trust it as much yet, mm-hmm. or if he's, you know, a little bit timid. I'm not sure. I'm I, I'm not Elton Jenkins, but that it's a very difficult thing to do. Um, and it's, I, I unfortunately, I don't have the answer. I'm sure they're trying it, but I, I'm not sure what it is aside from, wasting personnel and going max protection all right here, here's a question for you so it's uh elton's left knee that he blew up uh talk to us about uh being an offensive lineman is it if, if, you, if you have to favor the left leg are you going to have an easier time playing on the right side of the line than you would on the left that that's uh it's a great question um easier time it, it, you need the knee in both situations, but you need it differently. So if you're a right tackle, you've got to be thinking you're gaining ground to your right. You're moving to your right. And -hmm. contrary to popular belief, you don't really take steps, I guess, in pass pro as an offensive lineman, you bound off the backside. We call it drive catch. You drive off of the left knee and kind of catch yourself with the right leg. So you're driving off of the instep of the left to propel yourself forward, as opposed to, you know, if you're actually taking a step, you're, you're top heavy, you're off balance. But if you're driving with good negative shoulders um, off of that left leg, then, then you're putting yourself in better position. You're keeping square shoulders, you're gaining depth, all that stuff that we want out of an offensive lineman. If that knee's bothering him, I can't imagine how hard it is to bound off of that or if the dude's still dealing with some atrophy issues or something like that to where maybe he just doesn't have that strength. Maybe there's no pain, but he just doesn't have the strength to propel himself with that speed and quickness that he's used to. Um, It's a, it's a difficult thing. On the flip side, if you're on the left side, you know, you're driving really, really hard, but then your left knee on the left side is going to be what we call your post leg. So if you drive out in pass pro and the defender tries to cross your face, you've got to stop all that momentum that you've just put yourself in moving left and dig your insteps in and propel yourself right again in that change of direction. So it, it could be a loss of strength type of thing that Elton's dealing with, unfortunately. Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, now if, if he's playing on the inside, um, you know, is there uh, any difference, you know, at center or either of the guard positions where, you know, maybe there's a spot in there where that left leg is not as important and that athleticism is not as important as it is at some of the other spots. And because one of the things I've been thinking about is he spent most of the time with the Packers at left guard and, you know, you do kind of hate to change things up and, and kick running over to right guard. And then you got a whole nother piece moving, you know, but, but, you know, part of me is wondering like, how do we get our five best offensive linemen out there on the field at the same time in the positions that are going to best maximize their, their um, assets and limitations. And, And obviously Elton's knee is one of those. Dude, I love the question because now you're you're thinking like an O-line coach, man. I absolutely love this. <laughs> if, if, if it was me, given the information that I have just right now, the limited info that I have, I'm going to do everything I can to bump Elton into right guard. 
you know, okay. we can protect the knee a little bit there. We still get a good duo drive off of his right knee. If we're moving left, you know, and we can double with Myers and we can backside that, you know, that's a big part of our run game is duo and wide zone. So we can still get a lot of that, but then we're phone boothing him, meaning, you right. know, one thing I've noticed this year is the Packers have cut their splits down a little bit more and it could be just, you know, trying to help Elton out. Um, now, all of a sudden, whoever your right tackle is, has the ability to bound out and really you're, you're moving still, you're moving a lot, but you don't have that wide nine to go catch. You know what I mean? But best case scenario for the defense, they can put a dude in a four and you have to hook him just to the tackles nose. You don't have to bound out eight yards and protect a big hoop anymore, you know, and, and, that that would be the answer to me if I have somebody at right tackle who can at least just get the job done. Um, I, I and obviously the O line coaches know that for Green Bay, so that tells me they're not real confident in their answer at right tackle. Elton's still right. kind of the best they have, which means you know you're, you're still seeing Newman at the time. One thing that Steno told us today is that he said the reason or at least part of the reason why they have not put Yash at right tackle yet is because they don't fully they up until now they have not fully trusted Bach at left tackle for the whole game and they want to be able to rotate in and out Yash and Bach and so uh, Steno's answer was that look right now uh Yash is like half of our left tackle position so no we can't put him over at right tackle I mean you think that's just coach speak or, or I mean you know like, is, is that maybe something for us to hold on to? Like, yeah, no, but you know, maybe if we put him over at right tackle, he is going to actually be really good. Yeah. Part of me thinks that that's just a dude protecting his dude, right. That he doesn't want to come out in the media and say, Yash just isn't the answer yet. He's not ready yet. You know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but there is validity to that statement. I mean, if, if you've got your right tackle in and he's playing, you know, right tackle for 60 snaps, and then for some reason, he's got to bounce back on over to left. Like, I mean, this is a, it's not muscle memory, but it's repetitive movement, repetitive movement at right tackle. Now, all of a sudden you're sinking your left leg. And right. I mean, the opportunity for bust, especially in the big money position where you're protecting the blind side of your hundred million dollar quarterback, like <laughs> you, you really don't want to bust there. Right. So, I mean, it, it could be a little bit of both to me. I'm thinking he's probably just protecting his dude a little bit, but um, there, there is some validity there. Well, you know, at least if they're going to make a change this week, at least, you know, they're not going up against somebody like Chase Young. Oh, wait. <laughs> Crap. Yeah, um, I, I fully expect the commanders to uh, scheme up really heavily against your right side of the line. You know, there are some really cool things that are just starting to happen in the NFL now as far as guys are really understanding pass pro on the defensive side of the ball and starting to steer into the pass pro that they want so that they can beat it or at least get the matchup they want. So unfortunately, you know, if, if y'all got Royce in there, um, I, I would be very, very keyed on them on Washington, putting a four eye in between Royce and Elton and then bringing both a gap and C gap pressure and forcing your hand a little bit on on the right guard position so it mm. could be um it could be a little bit nasty but then again we've seen Aaron Rodgers compensate for that with all right we're going quick game you know sometimes the best way to beat a speed rush is with empty because you know that hey you're gonna have man coverage or man one and and if your receivers can beat it you know you can you can make a living doing it if I'm the commanders, I'm running stunts and blitzes on the right side of that Packers offensive line anytime it's third down and long. 
Yeah. Um, one of the, the cool things about defense now is they're starting to lessen their importance on third down and see first down as the attack down, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, one defender on the, on the left side, on the Packers left side of the line, you know, just a five tech to hold David Bakhtiari and then some pretty exotic pressures on the other side, um, essentially daring green Bay, especially if you see 28 in the game, this is not a dig on Dylan, but let's be honest. He's been pretty bad against light boxes this year. Yeah. If you see 28 in the game, I'm going to go ahead and dial up some auto checks to where we can get some pressure where, yeah, you can run the ball for four yards and we'll live with it and we'll spy that running back. But if you're throwing, um, we're going to make you earn it. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some pretty empty defensive sets on that left side of the line. Uh, I, I don't want to put you in a position where we're asking you to say anything negative about any of the Packers coaches, but an observation that I think we all can't help but make is that it feels like pretty much the entire offense and defense feel really undisciplined like there's a lot of just kind of simple dumb mistakes that keep it getting made like basically every play 90 percent of plays like somebody's screwing up somewhere with like and with basic things and like making the same exact mistakes over and over again you know i mean some of the stuff early on in the season that we saw that felt like the dumbest like you know, a, a botched handoff from Rogers to Dylan. Same exact thing happened last week. And, you know, so, some of the stuff, okay. You know, bad snap that uh, bonks Christian Watson in the butt. Yeah. He's a rookie. He's still trying to get acclimated, but we, I mean, our all pros and pro bowlers are playing, I think well below the level they, that they have established over the last few years. And they're not playing clean football. I'm not asking you to make any negative statements about any of the coaching staff, but you know, what, what, what's your thought as you're seeing this, you know, you, you think there's issues going on with the practice. Do you think, you know, what, what would, what are you thinking about like how, how you address this and you know what, how do we make the Packers good again? Because we have the talent. It's not a matter of bringing in somebody new. It's can the guys we have start playing like themselves. Yeah. Hey, that's a great question. I appreciate you trying to, you know, protect what I'm going to say, but I'll, I'll just be brutally honest. You know, I mean, this is the coach's nightmare, right? This is when you, when you start to feel like your voice has no weight anymore. You know, we've been in this situation multiple times in the high school season. We were in this situation earlier this season um, where it feels like, I don't know if the guys intentionally tune you out or, you know, something like that, but you know, looking at it, the Packers are pretty schematically sound, you know, they're, they're, they know what they're doing X's and O's. They should win some wars on a chalkboard for sure. Um, it's execution. And at the end of the day, only the 11 out there, no matter how well coached they are, whatever, they still got to execute. Right. So there's times where you feel like you've kind of lost it. And then those are the times where we as coaches have to resist the temptation to get louder and stronger and more forceful. And those mm. are the times where you got to just kind of step back because your voice, it, 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 it may not be carrying weight right now. That's where we have to have a talk with our captains, our true leaders on that team. And we say, listen, you guys know you're not performing to the level, you know, mm. we can't fix it. We can't get out there and play. So yeah, like this is up to you. And it's funny you should ask that because I've been noticing 
some uncharacteristic things being said in the media lately. When you yes. hear about Jair, when you even hear about Aaron Rodgers, when you hear about some of these dudes, Adrian Amos came out and, and was you know frustrated with the play. And I, I totally get it. This is where those dudes need to step up in the locker room. And, and you can say all the things you mm. want in the locker room, but it boils down to minute 54 of practice where you just got out of the third run of indie drills and your dog tired and it's hot and you're distracted right. and you got all this stuff. This is where you need those dudes to step up. This is where Charles Woodson y'all was so good. This is the Ed Reed thing. This is, you know, all of those things where you need that dude, you need that dog to step up and just straight up say like, Hey, I'm done being mediocre and I'm going to hold you to a higher standard and it's going to get uncomfortable for a lot of you and you better figure it out because I hold myself to this standard. You got to hold yourself to this standard. At the end of the day, sometimes the coach's voice just gets lost. But mm -hmm. if you're terrified of that dude on the field, either physically or you just don't want to let him down, yeah. you're going to dial it in. And that's where we've had to back off as coaches and trust our leaders. And, you know, we started the season personally, zero and three, and we just rattled off six wins in a row after that conversation was held. You guys are going to the playoffs, aren't you? We are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, how about that little humble brag I threw in there, huh? <laughs> yeah. No well, wait, kidding. now, I'm going to say two words to what you just said, uh, and I'd love to hear your feedback on them. Zadarius Smith. Yeah. I think yeah. That was his role. Yeah, that's it's, it's a great point, Gil. You know, it, it's you can – you can trade guys, you can move pieces, you can look really good as a, as a fantasy roster at times, but y'all, this is still a people sport. This is a people mm -hmm. business and people have to go execute. And if you're not being held accountable, or if you are being held accountable, but think about in your job, right? If you don't really care about what your boss thinks, you're probably not going to perform incredibly well. But if you got a coworker that you love, that you respect, that you yeah. trust, and he's getting on you about your performance at your job, you're going to perform better, you know, and that's where, Sometimes that just has to happen. If, if I was in that locker room and, and able to report my, I would bet my mortgage that that's, what's going to start to happen here. I hope so. Anyways. Well, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I've, I've been saying two things throughout these first six weeks, um, you know, kind of as my commentary about how things can get better. And I think when I say I'm here, you're going to probably agree with one and then probably really disagree with the second one based on what you just said. So the, I've been saying, first of all, I think that the guys on our team are our best players need to be our best players and they need to be the ones getting everybody elevating everybody up. Um, you know, this is something we were talking um, uh, before the season began, we were talking a lot about special teams and about how you fix and, and improve special teams that it's these guys need to take ownership and hold each other up and hold each other accountable. I think you're going to agree with that part. Yes. The other part is for the first time, a lot of people are questioning Matt LaFleur. And what I have been saying about this is I don't think Matt LaFleur is the problem, but I question whether he can be the solution. And that to me feels like a problem. Sounds like you're saying, nah, it's not about that. It's not about the coaches. The players need to be the solution. Yeah. It's a fine fickle line to walk, right? Because you, you need that strong presence in a coaching staff. You need dudes who just trust those coaches through and through like that is, that's a huge thing, but you also need that, that, that chemistry. And I know it's so cliche to say, but you really need it, right? You need that, you need that accountability in the locker room because coaching only goes so far. 
right? And and it's a humbling thing for a coach to say because I'd love to say coaches are the sole reason teams win and and players are the sole reasons team lose, but that's not the case and we all know it, right? So coaching can only go so far and sometimes it just takes somebody else stepping up. I think it would be unbelievable if, if some of your young linebackers started to take charge. I would love personally to hear a report come out of Lambeau saying, yo, Kenny just lost it. And he just, he blew up and he'd had enough and he chewed everybody out on defense. He challenged everybody to a fist fight, something like that. Right. To where it's like, okay, the dudes who are dudes on your team, even though it's really uncomfortable for a lot of them, sometimes they got to be the ones to step up and they got to be the ones to have these conversations. Otherwise it's just another coach yelling. I wow. wonder this based on what JJ just said, and I'd love to hear your two cents on it, coach. Is Aaron Rodgers the kind of leader who can lift a team when this kind of a thing is going on? And I'm beginning to have my doubts. So uh, Gil, it's awesome that you asked that, man, because I, um, I, I didn't know an, you're, you're much better with your words than I am. Cause I didn't know, I, I didn't have a good way to bring that up. It, it seemed it's a feeling, right? It's a sense. It's from being around ball. You get the feeling that some guys are just starting to roll their eyes at him, right? All of the podcasts, all of the McAfee, all of the trips, all of the, you know, gone all summer type of stuff to where it's like, okay, you want to yell at me and hold me accountable. Where were you in the spring? Where were you for OTAs? Where were you for this? You know, you're out here making a ton of mistakes too. And now you're giving me this look and you're, you're, you know, making snide little comments in the media. That's the sort of stuff where that wears on guys, right? You, you kind of, you, you kind of get mad at that after a little while. Um, so I, I don't know. I can't say, cause I, I'm not in the locker room with, but you know, the, the image he's portraying at least right now, um, isn't that of what I'd call a refined leader. Hmm. Well, that is, uh, you know, definitely a thing we've been, talking about with Rogers and wondering about for uh for a bunch of years and uh obviously looking at from the outside in there's only so much we can know but certainly a lot of smoke enough to question you know what the fire looks like there coach thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your uh, perspective and your insight um I feel a lot better after talking to you I feel um absolutely enlightened about what's going on here? What are the paths to fixing it? How fixable is it? I feel a lot more optimistic and, um, and I'm also super uh, happy and excited for you guys for McFarland high school, making it to the playoffs. You guys are going to kick, butt. you have been Good kicking, luck. butt. Good luck coach. Hey, thanks y'all. I appreciate that. I'll pass that on to the kids. You know, they're so excited. None of us are going to sleep tonight. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're really excited for tomorrow. So, and again, thanks for having me on. I love talking O-line. Just one last um, parting thought. Um, John Runyon is good in the run game. All yeah. right. All right. Coach, coach has it. All right. Follow coach Han on Twitter at coach Han to talk football because the dude is a fountain of information and he loves talking ball all the time. Coach. Thank you. God bless you. We love you. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. All right, Gil, let's talk about the injury report. Uh, the only news from the, the change from Wednesday to Thursday was that uh, Mercedes Lewis was added to the list as DNP. Of course, that's you have to assume that's veteran rest. It always is. 
Yep. And then, but then Aaron Rodgers was moved to full participation after he did not practice on Wednesday. So those are the only changes. But walk us through who the Packers might be without, and do we think that Sammy Watkins is going to make his return? Yeah, that's uh, the big question. We know there's no Randall Cobb, probably not going to have Christian Watson either. Uh, can't uh, activate or elevate Jawan Winfrey again without uh, putting him on the active roster. So it really comes down to whether or not you get Watkins uh, back in the lineup, which would be a big help, but you also don't want to rush him. Uh, if not, uh, all of a sudden, you know, do you, do you activate Samurai Toure and let him play his first actual regular season game? And how ready is he to do that? How much can you get from Amari Rodgers? Uh, they are thin at wide receiver right now, even if Watkins does return and can give them something. Yeah, I would be pretty shocked to see Samari Toure out there. I think, I think even if they don't have Sammy Watkins, I think they're going to do what they can. I, I think I would expect to see Juwan Winfrey signed to the active roster instead of putting Samori Toure out there. I, I've never gotten any sense that they are remotely ready to put him on the field, but we'll see if Sammy Watkins could come back. And I don't think he will be playing this week, but if he could, I think that that would really elevate the offense a lot because I think there are some things that Sammy Watkins does that maybe only Christian Watson is the other, is the other guy who can do on this roster in terms of stretching the field, allowing room for catches to be made underneath. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of the way that Christian Watson has been playing so far this season, but no question when we lost him last week, you suddenly saw a lot of those opportunities for catches um, in the middle of the field just disappear uh, catches that Christian Watson is, is creating by peeling a safety off. So getting Sammy out there, I think would be crucial. I do think that it is likely that the Packers offense finds some answers this week and starts playing better. So there's a part of me that even without Sammy Watkins, I'm intrigued to see what the offense can do here mostly I'm just kind of in a spot where I think they'll be better regardless. I think if Sammy Watkins is there, they would be significantly better, but not having him there. The bonus for me is that you at least know whether, uh, whether they were going to get good with or without him. That's, that's kind of where I'm sitting at. But if Sammy Watkins comes back and the offense gets like significantly better, that to me is a darn compelling argument for going out and getting Odell or making a trade before the deadline. If Sammy, who I think is is certainly one of your uh, two best wide receivers on the roster, if his return really does drastically change the way the offense is running, to me that is an argument in support of bolstering the wide receiver room. Short of that, Short of that, everybody is begging for wide receiver help. And I just, I don't know to me that the return you're going to get from that is enough to justify the cost of it. Just because like is bringing in another wide receiver going to help the offensive line 
remember how to execute a simple block? Uh, is it going to stop Aaron Rodgers from throwing a ball into the dirt? Um, you know, at, at the feet of a guy who is wide open, you know, is it like a couple weeks ago, we had Romeo Dobbs jumping up and down, waving his arms in the end zone and the ball didn't get thrown his way. Like, Yes, wide receiver can be improved, but we have guys who are getting open who are not getting the football. And if I'm Brandon Gutekunst, I'm looking at this and saying, why would I give you another wide receiver? You're not even maximizing the talent that these wide receivers you currently have possess. I I think I would even take it a step further. Right now, since Aaron Rodgers has said he, you know, clearly needs time to develop chemistry and trust with receivers, is there enough time for anybody who they would bring in to make enough of an impact uh, this season? And then we don't even know if Rodgers is coming back beyond this season. Is it worth giving up a second, a third, or or even a first-round pick to bring in somebody short-term who may not have enough impact? There's people who want to do that, and it, it feels ludicrous to me. It, it really does. The Packers have to play better. And like Coach Ron was saying, it has to come from within. It has to come from the the veteran players, the superstars. They're the ones who have to turn this thing around. And, you know, what, what role did the coaches play in – motivating and inspiring the leaders of this football team. You know, what can Matt LaFleur do with his captains, with Jair, Rogers, uh, Kenny, Rashawn? You know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I think that that is where I would really want to be starting if if I'm uh, Matt LaFleur is like, look, yeah, my words are not going to carry with uh, a lot of these other um, players in the way that yours will, since you are out there on the field with them bleeding and sweating alongside them. And, but, but I need you to be that. I, I think that's where I'd be starting. So this, this is, this is really kind of the ultimate test for the Packers is like, can you scrape it together and whoop the tar out of a really, really, really bad football team? Because you got a bunch of really tough opponents coming up. It is not going to get easier from here on out. We have so far, you know, if you're looking at our schedule, Giants, Jets, Commanders. This was supposed to be the easiest part of our entire schedule. We have so far gone 0-2 through the first two games of that quote-unquote easy stretch. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get easier from here on out. But the Packers can get better because it's not a talent issue. This roster is stacked. Are there places on the roster like safety, like wide receiver, where you could improve things and by bringing somebody in? Yeah, you could raise the talent level in those rooms a little bit. But the rest of the roster, our, our best players are not our best players right now. And it's not a talent issue. It's the guys that we have need to play better. And you know, this is why you have a lot more faith and optimism and reason to, to believe that things can turn around. If you are a Packer fan or a Packer player, as opposed to if you're with some crappy franchise like Chicago, where they just don't have the talent, 
Packers can turn it around, but will they? That's the big question here. That Gil, is the big question. You got your score prediction for us this week? I do. I do. And I'm sticking with what I sort of said earlier. I think this is going to be an ugly game. I think the Packers will win it. Packers 17, Commanders 13. 17 13. So you are taking the under by a pretty wide margin, 12 points. The over under is set at 42.5. The Packers are 5.5 point favorites. You are picking the commanders to cover and you're taking the under. It is an ugly prediction from you, no doubt. I've seen too much ugly football lately. That's why. (laughs) I've been burned two, two weeks in a row by by betting on the Packers here. Do I dare do it a third time? I do. I think the Packers defense is going to be lights out. I think they are going to annihilate the commanders. And this is a defense that the, that the commanders have that you can throw on the receivers. We have should be able to be productive here. I'm going to take the under, but I'm going to pick the Packers to cover. And this is very, this is largely going to be about the Packers defense. I think the commanders are going to struggle to get to 10 points. I think that the final score is going to be Washington nine green Bay. You ready? Yeah. 17. 17-9. Yeah, but see, but see, the difference is I'm picking the Packers to cover. I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I'm trying. I was trying to make it sound as exciting and dramatic as possible for 17-9 because it's yeah, it's hard exciting. to be dramatic at 17-9, but uh, I would take it. Uh, like I said, I just need a win. I don't. It doesn't need to be pretty at this point. I just need to see a win. I need to see the Packers put up more. Uh, scoring drives than the commanders have had names in the last five years. How about that? <laughs> well, you're that's a push for you. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. All right, that's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Lake to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com